Hi, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams. And today on Brainwaves, we are joined by Mike Barnes of Who Dares Rolls. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, sir? It's been a while since we saw you last on the Dized special we had last year. I've got to say, it's been a long time. Yeah, I'm mm. still ticking, uh, still board gaming, and uh, the world's still turning, so it's all good really, isn't it? Yeah, just about turning, <laughs> well, yeah. still, still going round and round. <laughs> Maybe anti-clockwise, but it's, it's, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a new baby. In there. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Yes, new baby is in the world, so my life has pretty much been involved in changing nappies and um, dealing with that stuff. Just what I needed in my time of life. Ah, absolutely. You know, you got, got to you know have some excitement. Exactly. All the time. Yeah. Life, life, Still, life would be dull otherwise. Exactly. Good level of optimism as well. I like it. <laughs> so, Mike, tell us a little bit about who dares rolls. Um, who dares rolls? Well, we will. Um, we've been around forever. We, we, I class ourselves as the board game's dirtiest little secret because no one really knows about us. Um, but yeah, in fact, I looked earlier today and we are celebrating, I think this would be our sixth year. We've somehow managed wow. to survive six wow. years doing media and yet no one actually following or watching us. So that's quite impressive work, really, isn't it? <laughs> An achievement on its own. But yeah. You can't do it for yourself, really. Exactly. It started as a, it, exactly that. It started as just something I started playing board games and, and I was like, you know what? I, I At the time, there was like free podcasts and like just Tom Vassell sat in his shed. So it was easier to yeah. join that party and do it. Um, so yeah, I just started doing it and um, it's just a thing now. It's just a thing I do just for my own personal gratification, I think. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it that long. You kind of keep doing it, but I've started doing a bit more YouTube these days. So I'm just playing games still. So it's it's fun. It's what we do as a hobby. That it is. So yeah, keep yourself busy. So yes, that's who does well. So basically, we do YouTube, we do podcasts, we do uh, reviews, we do all sorts of stuff. We have our own particular slant on it. Often, usually rudeness takes part. <laughs> May contain yeah. adult content. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Fantastic. And thank you, Mike, will be joining us for today's episode of Brainwaves, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. Here are the headlines for the week beginning the 5th of August 2019. Cool Mini or Not rebuilds board games to be stronger, faster, smarter. Spiel de Yaris takes flight. And two giants of the tabletop scene pass away. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Just before we get to this week's headlines and news, we'd like to add a wee correction for the last episode of Brainwaves, Brainwaves 32. We said that Satine Phoenix was still the Dungeons & Dragons community manager. That is actually wrong. She held the post till early this year, but is not currently the community manager. Apologies to current community manager and Satine Phoenix for that wee mistake. We're starting with a bit of sad news this week as two giants of the tabletop scene have died, Richard H. Berg and Mike Brunton. Richard Berg is a game designer, actor, composer, director, writer, rock singer, attorney, communications consultant, and apparently also worked for the IRS for a small while. He's known by some as the Pope of Wargaming and is designer or co-designer of over 140 published games and expansions, according to BoardGameGeek. He also designed the famous or perhaps infamous, depending on how you look at it, Campaign for North Africa, which has a 10-foot board and a playtime as listed as 1,500 hours, with a full complement of 10 players, that's five per side, and a bunch of strangely detailed rules, Italian units requiring extra water supplies due to eating pasta, apparently. 
that kind of thing. Just a, a very detailed designer. War games were completely his thing. And his final game called Big Apple is due to release in 2020 about city building in New York City. And uh, Mike Brunton also has passed away recently. He was renowned in gaming circles for his work with Games Workshop, specifically the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First Edition. He started TSR UK with Imagine Magazine, uh, on, moved on to D&D Supplements, and then on to DW in 1986. He edited White Dwarf and wrote for several supplements and modules, including the renowned Empire and Flames and Realm of Chaos. I've tried to run Empire and Flames a couple of times and always got caught up uh, about halfway through. But yeah, he was currently, he was recently working on the Director's Cut of Enemy Within that's coming out for Wuffrup 4th Edition and Cubicle 7. And they put out a statement also saying how sad they were to hear of his passing and the, the shock to the team. Everyone at Brainwaves passed on their condolences to uh, Mike and Richard's family and friends at this sad time. Here's a, here's a little nugget of news to get you interested. Um, Simon, uh, or come on, well, they come on now, aren't they? They've changed their name, apparently. I did oh, read on Twitter that people were saying that it's not meant to be Simon, it's meant to be come on. Yeah. I'm not, but well, whatever. Come, whatever. Come on, or not. Simon, I'm going to say that. Um, launches <laughs> yeah. a smart board tech. The Tuburu? Tuburu? Tab- someone would pronounce this probably. Tuburu, maybe? Tuburu. Joint venture between Simon and Explored, a games console that integrates physically and virtual worlds. And apparently Japanese for table is Tabor. Tabala? Taburu. Taburu. Let's call the whole thing off. Oh, my God. Hey. Uh, so, yes, uh, it's a wireless. It's a ta- it's, it sits on your table. It's like a wireless thing. And it and it and you play, I think, Zombicide's the first announced game they've done for this. Yes. And it essentially has all the rules and integrated all kind of built into this bit of software. And you even the dice have got tech in them, like smart dice. Yeah. And, yeah. One thing that overridden me on this is it's going to stop people cheating. Because you you put your figure down and it kind of says, oh yeah, you've done that, you've done this, and it does all the rules, all the almost GM and all the rule book sort of maintenance beneath the scene, all for you. So you're essentially just moving bits of plastic around on a virtual board, kind of is how this is doing it. Yeah, basically, it's a. It, there's a little bit of a video on Simon's site right now about this, and uh, effectively, like the plastic minis don't have anything in them, but there'll be little, um, like little cold circles you get in a lot of board games will be in that box, and they'll have RFID chips at the yeah. bottom, and that's how the game will communicate with the pieces. Now, now the the point about cheating is kind of interesting because I was chatting to some people on Twitter about this, and one thing that someone pointed out was, will it have room to basically be kind? You know, when like you're playing through that oh, yeah, first like game. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah. you're playing through that first game or someone wants to take back a turn, something like that, I hope that's being considered because that's quite a common thing that oh, people God, do when yeah. they're teaching a game. It's, oh, it's all right. You don't have to, don't don't worry about your decision. Just make one and see what happens. And then you can take it back or, or, or that kind of thing. It, it does, it brings us many questions around it. Many questions, <laughs> yeah. Many questions around it. I mean, obviously they've not released it. I don't believe they've released a, a price for this this item yet. It's going to Kickstarter. No, I believe, not yet. In, yeah, not yeah, yet. sometime like sometime next year. I think think next year is when it was quoted as being. Yeah, yeah. Anyone have any opinions on this? I'm sure there may be something out there. Strong, oh, I'm, strong opinions. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of opinions. I'm sure the yeah. the Twitterverse at the very least has exploded. There's been that usual sort of like kickback of tech uh, being introduced into board mm-hmm. games. Now I've got no particular problem with things like companion apps and things like that. I think they're really cool. And I played with some. Uh, I played with something in my Gloomhaven campaign that's just a third party. And I played games with the apps integrated, like the XCOM board game. Mm-hmm. They're really good, and I, th- I think they're really interesting. 
having like an actual platform, like a physical platform, but essentially a games console. Yep. That you have to have to play certain games. That's a new step, and I do wonder mm-hmm. how people are going to react to that. And like you say, the price point is going to be a killer. If this is like the same cost as a Switch, yeah, like a Nintendo Switch or something, you're going to have to ask some serious questions about what that is. And yeah, like bits, bits and pieces of the tech have been tried before by other companies, like Smart Dice yep. have been tried before and have failed because getting a dice to be balanced and have a battery in it and be rechargeable that's a really hard technology problem. That is a really difficult technology problem. Whether they're up to it or not, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think another issue, or not issue, sorry, another potential worry that might be is rapidity of games on release. Yeah. So we, so the first game that's going to be released is Zombicide Evolution Las Vegas. Yeah. So it's Zombicide. People know what to do. They know how to play. It's a game that people know. Fine, more games are going to come out. Of course they will. They want to make this a viable console. Yeah. How quickly are they going to be able to do this? And I think that's gonna that's going to I think that's where it's going to live or die. It's fine to get one. It's fine to get one to get everyone in. Yeah, basically, the, you're talking like the, what's the software lineup for it? Effectively, basically, like I hate and I hate to use the word. I really hate using the word. But what is the roadmap for releases? <laughs> it's a good word. It's it's a fair it's a fair point. It's a fair thing to talk about. By the time. By the time this podcast goes out, there will be actual opinions about it because sure. uh, this podcast is going out just after Gen Con and Simon are showing it off there. Mm. But I mean, I am extremely skeptical. I've watched Kickstarter right from its early days and some of the really big failures have been technology Kickstarters yep. because making one of a thing is really easy. Making 10,000 of that thing in China is a completely different problem. And this and Simon have got experience obviously in the board gaming arena, but not in tech as far as I'm aware, really. No. no. I'd be interested to see because I mean I came from the video game sector. I did work for Nintendo for many years. And the key focus on always that was they used to sell the consoles at a loss. Um, mm. because once you had one of those boxes under someone's T V in their house, you were guaranteed that they were going to buy your software. And that's where you make your money. Yeah. So I'm wondering how the business model weighs up on this, whether they are going to take a hit on this to get it out as a widespread or, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm no, no. I mean, yeah, the industry, the ball game sector, the hobby sector is very split on that. Anyway, I know there's a lot of people very, very sort of furiously against it. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. Well, it is awards season still, it is still rolling around, and it is the Spiel de Jahres Awards time to shine. The Spiel de Jahres for this year is Just One by Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter, published by Repost Productions, which beat out LAMA, or Lama, and Werewords. Congratulations to Just One. As well as the Spiel Award, there was the Kenner Spiel, was also awarded on the same day, which is the Connoisseur's Choice of Game. The winner for that was Wingspan by Elizabeth Hargrave and published by Stonemeyer Games, who uh, beat out Carpe Diem, the new Stefan Feld game, and Detective. Now, the Kinderspiel, the Children's Game Award, was pre- uh, was announced at the end of June and was won by Valley of the Vikings, a Haba game from Marie Fort and Wilfried Fort. Yeah, the Spiel DR is always an interesting award because it's, it's never like... It's not always like the hardcore gaming... Mm audience that it's catering to it's always it's thinking about well specifically mostly sort of the it's a german sort of public award almost like what will appeal to the sort of german board game buying public which is much bigger than like the british board game buying public 
And yeah, it's it's always a little bit lighter in, in tone and touch. So it's interesting. It's always interesting to see what it awards. And I think they take from I remember from our piece on this last year, they take particular care with like making sure that the rule books are good and mm. straightforward and easily easy to understand. Any thoughts on the winners, Mike? You know what? Um, just one I've not played. So um, I have no idea. I only I've not played any of no, them. <laughs> I only played Wingspan literally the weekend just gone, um, and I was left resoundingly meh. Not fair. It was nerves, all right. But um, so I don't know. I mean, they're all probably pretty solid games. But um, yeah, I'm. It's not exactly set my world on fire. But it is. Nope. Maybe I'll look at just one. Maybe it's something I can play yeah. with the kids. The Spiel Award itself is usually focused more towards everyone, more towards families, and a game that everyone can play. Whereas the 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 games you said that you know might set the world on fire is your wingspans, your detectives. You know, your yeah. Carpe Diem, it's a, it's a game by Stefan Feld. Oh, well, the reputation of Stefan Feld. Wingspan was doing the rounds, you know, for months. Everyone's been going crazy about Wingspan. Yeah. Uh, and Detective was, I believe that's the Ignacy Chevacek? Yes. Yeah, Portal, yeah. yeah, Portal, yeah, games, Portal yeah. games. And there we go. And that's, that's another app integration. Yes, there is on that, yeah. Very, very heavy app integration. So I, d- I don't know if that's the first game to have, you know, at least a, a nod. They may have app integration. Please don't quote me on that. But it's, you know... It is something. <laughs> it is noticeable. Of course, of course you will, Ian. So yes, well done to all those winners. Yes, indeed. Well done. And with the headlines over and done with, onwards to the rest of the news. Sticking somewhat with a digital theme in this week's Brainwaves, we've got a couple of bits of digital board game news for you. The Terraforming Mars Digital Studio has unfortunately shut. Uh, This is Lucky Hammer Studios. They made Terraforming Mars and the unreleased game Mansions of Madness Mother's Embrace, which was a sort of inspired by Mansions of Madness, the board game, but not like straight uh, copy of the board game mechanics. Uh, They had some financial woes, both from issues with publishing partners and underwhelming revenue from some VR projects, which led to the decision. A joint statement from Dom Roussi and Marc-Antoine Pinard, owners of Lucky Hammers. We are working very hard, making sure all of our employees can find a new home home or studios where they will be able to keep expressing their creativity and the art of making games. We organized a get-together for employees with all the major studios in Montreal to assure a smooth transition and continuity. Sad to hear of a studio this with doing such a big board game conversion shutting down like this, but yeah, it just goes to show that all these... Like you'd still need to be making money from these digital board game conversions, and margins are pretty tight on this kind of stuff. And we've also got an interesting little tidbit that Bezier Games are releasing a sort of try before you buy scheme. I've had a wee look at the YouTube video, which we will link to. Uh, but basically, they've released a free for now app version of their game, uh, their new game Silver. So you can learn the game uh, through a tutorial in the app, and the full rules are in there as well. You can play against an AI. Com- opponent before playing your friends with a physical version and that physical version will be out at gen con so that people will have it in their hands by the time this cast goes out and this is a really interesting idea i think that and i'd actually like to see com- more companies doing this kind of thing and using things like tabletop simulator and tabletopia to give people a bit of a taste of their games uh sort of digital taste of their games it is i've always found it quite a different experience playing on tabletopia and tabletop simulator but mm. at least you could try like Trudvang Legends or some other big Kickstarter before you, you make that commitment. Maybe they don't want you doing that though. Who knows? Well, yeah. where, where Put your tinfoil hats on now. I think there are a few a few games and again, you know, this is few and far between some of it's slightly anecdotal, 
But there are some games that do go in the middle of their Kickstarter campaign or their crowdfunding campaign. Other Kickstarter, other crowdfunding sites are available to go. We have, you know, we have a, a copy on Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. You know, here's yeah. a link to it. Why don't you try it? Now, again, this is, you know, a handful. I'm not pl- proclaiming myself uh, an expert on crowdfunding in any shape or form, but I know that this is, it is a thing. But I don't think we've seen before a, this is the full game. Yeah. And you get to learn it. And then you get to see if you, you like, oh, this is it. This is it in its early stages, maybe. Because as we know, there's things change still during a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Even after. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea, really. You know, it allows you to try the app. Especially also if they sell out at Gen Con, they can still point people towards the app. Like maybe there's a newsletter sign up in there as well, that kind of thing. That's It's kind of an interesting idea. Any thoughts, Mike? It is. I think generally the tasters of stuff before it releases is kind of quite a core cool idea. I mean, how you, if you could physically do it, I don't know so much. But um, mm. yeah, it's... I mean, again, you've still got to run into the problems of the app, the app police. But I mean, I think it, mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea. It gives anything that gives someone access to it potentially has got a chance for a wider appeal. Yeah, yeah, great. I mean, if you're playing it on the bus and so, what have you got there? Oh, I'm playing this, and you know, especially as it's free, they can download it. And you know, anything mm-hmm. that will get someone else who maybe doesn't yeah. play board games. Playing board games is a good thing. Yeah, and everyone needs to stand out now. There's like so many releases. Like, well, we're going to talk about a little bit later. There's going to be thousands of releases coming mm-hmm. out over Gen Con and Essen. So, yeah, it's an interesting way to stand out. I've been keeping an eye on an interesting looking Kickstarter that is funding right now for a documentary about the inmates of American prisons playing Dungeons and Dragons and the dangers of doing so. It's a let's play that's going to be told from the perspective of inmates who have waged legal battles for the right to engage in gaming rehabilitation inside prisons. For the most part, RPGs are banned in US prisons. Uh, some wardens claim games are demonic and foster, foster fantasies of escape. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, you should read up on the Mothers Against Dungeons and Dragons and the 1980s Satanic Panic and all that jazz, because that's fascinating stuff. But um, incarcerated players still band together to battle monsters, overcome obstacles in virtual worlds. And importantly, RPG tables can bridge racial divides uh, inside prison. Uh, inmates often say that these games are rehabilitative and helping them prepare for life on the outside. Uh, and I've read an article recently about this, a fascinating lengths they go to to basically make their own dice because dice are banned inside prisons. So the ways they go around making sort of random number generators from what they have to hand. Fascinating stuff. We'll link to the Kickstarter and that article if I can find it again in the show notes. Uh, so this is created by Elizabeth DeClear, who has over 10 years experience in true crime media. Uh, the campaign ends on the 14th of August and is asking for $60,000. And yeah, I might actually pledge this one myself because it's a fascinating thing, really. I've loved to hear about sort of gaming being used in in rehabilitative ways. What do we think, gents? The the thing that really stood out from that, apart from it does sound very fascinating, is they banned dice. (laughs) What? Is it Uh, for gambling? They banned dice for gambling. gambling. Um, I've heard not only dice, but they also either dice or even use spinners. Uh, Yeah. um, That they kind of homemade and kind of hide. but also, like the article I read, uh, the article I read had people carving dice out of soap and and all sorts, doing like inc- like pretty innovative stuff, like com- considering how little they have access to. And yeah, like Jamie says, spinners and all sorts of things to to make the random dun- dun- dungeon generators. And yeah, I'll, I'll have to find the article again because I think it might have actually it might actually be the same woman by the looks of some of the graphics on the Kickstarter. I, so, I believe it is, and. Yeah. Y- 
Jamie, you're, you've been very excited about a thing. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited, but also tinged with a hint of trepidation, but maybe that's just me. Um, there was an announcement recently from Games Workshop and Big Light Productions, which is a company behind such TV programs as The Man in the High Castle and Medici and Ransom, just, just some of the shows that they do. But there's an announcement that Games Workshop and Big Light Productions are now joining forces. Or they're working together to create a TV show based on one of the Warhammer 40,000's most famous individuals, and that is Gregor Eisenhorn, who is a member of the Inquisition in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Now, Big Light Productions creative director Emily Feller is serving as executive producer on the project alongside Frank Spotnitz, uh, who is also exec producer and he will be acting as showrunner on the project as well. Frank Spotnitz's credits, some of them include The X-Files and The Man in the High Castle. So there is a very, you know, he's bringing a lot of good experience and it's with a very good record of the kind of things that Warhammer, that is Warhammer stock and trade pretty much. You know, mm. crypto pseudo-fascism, I say pseudo-fascism, and really weird things that are unexplained. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is in development, this project, which, you know, before anyone gets too excited. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's prior to production. It's nowhere in production yet. So development usually means that concept art is being uh, made, script writing is still being done, an outline of what they actually want to do with it, because the Eisenhorn series, I believe, is four novels by Dan Abnett, um, who also has written, a, who's written a lot for Games Workshop and also a lot for Marvel Comics, I believe. He was instrumental in leading to the revival of the Guardians of the Galaxy as oh, okay. in the eyes of people, yes. Yeah, all this is being worked on right now because the Eisenhorn no- uh, series yeah. is four novels and a good number of short stories that kind of weave in and out. So what they want to do with it remains to be seen. Now, as Ian said, I'm quite interested in this. I'm quite excited. Um, I think Eisenhorn is a very well-written character in a very well-written series. It promotes the Warhammer 40,000 universe. It's not the unending slog of horror, war, death, and misery (laughs) that most people think of when they think of Warhammer. It's a slightly lighter, more civilian and detective epic side to it. Um, And a kind of easier way into that, that world itself. Yeah, allow them to show off the world a little bit and explain a bit about it. It seems like a good move to me. I mean, there's so much coming to streaming these days through so many different channels. And a lot of companies are looking for new things, new blood to write about, new shows to make. So, yeah, it seems like a smart move from GW to me. Like, get that out there, get some more people interested in your property, convert some of those into some gamers. Jobs are good in. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, I mean, I grew up and read um, 40k as a, as in my younger years, a lot of 40k. <laughs> it, it is quite an extreme world, but yeah, I mean, I've not followed the, I've not read any of the Eisenhorn stuff. Maybe they're going to have to call it something different. It sounds a little bit like a Scandinavian detective show is the problem. It does <laughs> a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's how you get a whole new series of uh, new wave listeners. They're like, or listeners, viewers, they're like, oh, oh, the Scandinavian noir. Wait a minute. This isn't Scandinavia. This, this what's is. This? Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones kind of changed the whole TV world, really, with, mm-hmm. with yeah. how big that was. And there is that, that vacuum to fill of some epic, big TV show. But my only concern is uh, is in development. I mean, this thing is not going to be cheap. 
it's not, no, no it is definitely not significant world building going on but yeah though this alone i mean it's interesting we've got witcher coming from netflix that's that yep i'm cautiously optimistic about the expanse if you've not watched that it's fantastic oh yeah yeah it, it is good so um yeah i'm i'm yeah i mean if they do this and do this right it could be something a bit special but mm, mm. but another thing is if this does get you know produced if it does come out and if it's a success are we going to see more warhammer 40,000 uh, or even warhammer fantasy or even warhammer uh, age of sigmar products come out uh, uh products tv shows are we going to see perhaps gaunt's ghosts another dan abnett penned epic but is it just sharp in space yeah we definitely if it's successful we definitely will with uh, Gen Con and Essen just around the corner and thousands of releases, literally thousands of releases about to hit the release schedule and a bunch of chat on Twitter recently, we're asking ourselves, are you, we're asking each other, can there be such a thing as too many games? What do you think, gents? My wallet says yes. <laughs> Everything else about me says of course not. <laughs> my wallet and my shelving space says oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, sorry, I yes, keep, sorry, yes. I, t- I tend to keep quite a small collection, but one of the things that prompted me to ask this question is I've been chatting with some people on Twitter about uh, sort of a bit of anxiety amongst a lot sort of the reviewing community and, and sort of some people in general about there being like too many games out there, not enough, like it's harder to find the good games amongst the deluge of so many releases. I mean, Essen will have somewhere in the region of a thousand plus releases as it did last year. How do you find sort of the gems amongst that? And can you do, I mean, you can't really stop people making the game they want to make, whether that's a good game or a great game or a bad game. That's very subjective. And I, I mean, I, my personal opinion is I don't think there are. I think there's still a growth in the hobby, like quite a strong growth going on at the moment. There is a lot of games coming out, but one of the upshots of that is that you get to see more interesting sort of themes coming out of that as well, like things like Wingspan more uh, like in the rpg world things like starcrossed that sort of stuff people producing more interesting games as you see more and more games coming out but other other opinions are available certainly <laughs> i mean i think the one thing we're missing there's lots and lots of games coming out is just maybe a bit a bit more originality we do have the danger tipping point of just recycling the same old stuff. It's something's popular, so it kind of gets recycled. I mean, Hollywood does the same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah. see, see the zombie side of all of them well, we mentioned earlier in the well, cast. For yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, leg- leg- legacy games. Uh, legacy games well, is, is one kind of trend, and again, maybe that's a bit disparaging. And you know, some of them are a bit different. Some of them are good, but a lot of games now are like, right, we're bringing out you know a legacy version of this, and okay, let's all your things will have meaningful choices. Let's see if it does. You know this, and Roland Wrights is another one. Oh, okay, yeah. Th- this this past year has seen Roland Wrights more than I can count. And you're aware that um, there was a game released by I think it was Queen Games called Copenhagen. Yes, it's a wonderful kind I've of wonderful it. kind of looks very beautiful, beautiful game. Copenhagen has been out probably for less than a year, and Copenhagen Roland Wright was slash is on kickstarter already and i'm going fantastic you've got that you know you've got your finger on the pulse do you want to wait for a little bit before your game to cool before you go right here's its little brother it's a good point i think games need time to breathe it's like a you know like a fine wine it needs to mature <laughs> and i think far too often as to say it's, it's the danger of turning into a disposable hobby that 
stuff just doesn't get the mm. time to find its legs. You get it, it's played, it's the hotness. Oh, the new hotness, it's gone. Um, yeah. So uh, I certainly myself in the last few years stepped right back from that sort of wild feeding frenzy that can happen. I kind of wait for the stuff to rise to the top of the pile and you can kind of cherry pick at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good thought there to sort of wait sort of six months to a year down the line. Those games are mostly still available. And by that time, the sort of critical reception will be there. People will be chatting about it and you can actually sort of form an opinion as to whether that game is for you or not. That's cer- certainly what I tend to do. Like, I, I eventually bought Gloomhaven, for instance, but I didn't buy it. In, I didn't like Kickstarter at all. I just waited for it to be available at retail. And it took me about a year to decide to buy that because it's quite it's a, a bit of investment. It's an outlay. Um, but yeah, it's God, an outlay. <laughs> that is a good game. <laughs> so yeah, it took me about a year to decide to buy it because the outlay, making sure I had people to play it with, all that kind of thing. And yeah, there's there, one of the good things about there being so many games out there is that there is very likely a game for you. If you're only going to have two or three games in your collection or even one, it's very likely you will find a game for you. It's finding that game that is getting more difficult, much like steam for instance where there are lots of good indie games on there discoverability Uh that's hard that's really really hard and it's i think i suppose it's down to reviewers like ourselves to sort of shout about the small stuff as best we can yeah i do i do think we need to be cautious as like sort of critics and reviewers and people with like some voice in the industry of like being like oh my god there's too many games it feels a little kind of i don't know a bit disingenuous and it's not something we can really control either people are going to produce games to try and make money as companies because that's just how it's going to happen it's not i think we it's trying to not come it from a come at it from uh the place of there are too many games and there should be less games he goes right there are a lot of games being released you know what does this tell us and what do we think might be you know ways for the industry to to maybe improve the overall quality yeah. of the games now that does that mean making less games possibly does it mean just you know allowing more time for ideas to percolate allow more you know allow more testing again possibly but you, you know profits are a thing and actually as you said you know trying like we've been saying earlier trying before you buy tabletopia and tabletop simulator are a great example of games where you go on to for example tabletop simulator and there is a huge database of games that are some have just been released some are really really old and you can download them uh, copies of them for it and you can try them out if you can find an online copy of the manual try it out see if it is for you yeah absolutely yeah that kind of thing is great and allows people to sort of get a taster for games even if they can't make to gen con or wherever where these things are being shown off and yeah I'd, I'd like to see more of that personally one of the advantages and disadvantages of being a smaller viewer like myself is that i don't get sent a lot of games so i can sort of help the smaller publishers try and get some sort of voice and that is kind of sort of one of the mission statements of the giant brain I don't know about yourself mike with who dares rolls do you sort of seek out the sort of smaller guys and help try and help them up i have always been when we first started i always kind of was quite supportive of the UK design, mm, yeah, specifically mm-hmm. um, because you know the American designs of the big publishers, the big guys, kind of get all the shout. Dice Tower will shout all day long, yeah. And I, I, there's no point in me competing against that. No, you ain't gonna beat it. Um, so yeah, I've always had a soft spot for you know supporting homegrown talent, even you know 
UK and, and Europe, any, any small little designers who are producing, especially something that's innovative and new, something that I've not seen before, then, mm. yeah, I love finding that. Um, there's that sense of discovery and finding something that you've not encountered before or a mechanism or a yeah. game design. You, you go, wow, this is amazing. And then it gives you something, a bit of passion, something you can shout about. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for that. I, I wrote a little article recently about sort of the fear of missing out and how that sort of drives a lot of the industry. I think it's just, just keep in mind when you are going around something like Gen Con or Essen, like, there's a lot. Sm- the big publishers, they're going to be there regardless. You'll be able to get mm. their games later on. You absolutely will. It's the smaller guys that need your help. So stop by the smaller stalls. See all those little small stalls sort of gathered together in one place, which tends to what be what happens at a con like this. Give a couple of them a shot. See if they've got interesting things that you would like. Give them your support. Even just shout about them a little bit on social media or wherever. You don't need to actually give them money, but just give them a little bit of support. It can go an awful long way. Well, it is almost time for the curtain to close on another audio journey that we have had today on Brainwaves. But before we go, just a little a little, uh, a little, notice for you that amazingly, it is 15 years, count them, one, big one five, 15 years since Ticket to Ride by Alan R. Moon was released by Days of Wonder and won the 2004 Spiel de Jahres. The game has sold over 8 million copies, and if you ask someone, you know, what is a, you know, one of the board games that got you into the hobby, a lot of people may go, Ticket to Ride. It is, you know, it is usually near the very top of board games to introduce to, to people for the first time. It's a great, great game. And Days of Wonder have announced that they are going to be bringing out a 15th anniversary edition. It'll feature new plastic trains and you, or you might be going, Jamie, the trains are plastic. What are you talking about, you numpty? And I say, yes, but these trains are clear. Well, translucent. Trans. I'm so sorry, translucent. They're, co- they're so coloured, but they're coloured clear plastic. They, they are, are translucent. They are coloured, but translucent, yes. <laughs> there will be a special box sleeve, and there will be a four-page retrospective booklet featuring the history and creation of the game. It'll be available. It'll be available in the United States on August the 9th, and hopefully in the UK and Europe uh, a wee while after that, or hopefully very quickly. I never really had any beef for Ticket to Ride. I think it's a very good game. Five years ago, they put out the 10th anniversary edition with the very nice-looking, uh, like well, that, that was all nice. the trains were separate. Mm. Like every every uh, player's trains were a different kind of train car so you could actually tell the difference by feel for example which might help say visually impaired gamers yeah the 15th anniversary edition does look nice it's another ticket to ride everybody yeah i mean it, we were just talking about too many games and the more evergreen titles coming out and games hanging around for longer and i mean like it or not that game has hanging around for a very long time and it's still a good intro to the hobby so yeah congratulations ticket to ride so, uh, Mike, thanks very much for coming on to the cast. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on to chat about various things. Yes, it's always a pleasure to catch up and chat to you, gents. Thank you very much. Where yeah. can people Thank you. find Who Dares Rolls and yourself on the internet and things like that? We're all over the place. Um, uh, so there's the site, whodaresrolls.com. That's quite easy to find us. So we're on YouTube now. Um, on Twitter, pretty much one everything is Who Dares Rolls. So it's quite easy. If you go to the main Who Dares Rolls site, pretty much there's links to everything from there. So you can you can go from that point. 
Fantastic. And thank you all very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Giant Brain or on Instagram as Giant Brain UK. Facebook is The Giant Brain. Our main website with all our podcasts and articles is giantbrain.co.uk. And you can email us about anything in the show or anything else at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Goodbye.